to the Marysville 3CU Church. For some this day, it's July 4th, so happy Independence Day. And um, it's warm, maybe in some places. Some places it's really warm. Um, but uh, we're glad that you're able to join us, whether in person or online. We've been talking to you about what is man. Last week in this series is what is a man, and today... The message title is Desired Traits of a Man. Desired Traits of a Man. This may not go with the list that the wives would like their husband uh, to be. It's not the desired traits that the wife has for her husband. It's not the desired traits that women have for men. It's the desired traits of a man that we find in Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Now, interesting in here, we'll also find some passages that um, talk about some desired traits of women. I might not spend a lot of time there. Um, I might. But we will just see which way the Lord leads us. But we're primarily going to focus on the men uh, today. So let's read through the passage of Scripture. We're going to read Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. Um, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Forgive me here, but I needed to fix my notes. I had too many verses in there. Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. But as for you... He's speaking to Titus. But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. May God add his blessing to reading this word. Lord, we pray to the Lord that you give us the insights that we need to take with us. Father, some reading this passage of Scripture might be challenging to them, and we pray to the Lord that they would be open to hear what you'd have them hear and help me to say what you'd have me to say. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That the older men, verse 2, be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, and patience. We're going to break that down a little bit. It's interesting here. It says sober. Now, some Bibles might have sober-minded. And some might look at that word as sober-minded. And so there, I found some interesting commentary around it that, that I might, uh, in, in future, do some more study on. Because you also find that word sober-minded in verse 5. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. But you'll notice in the translation I read that the older men may be sober. Because the word sober in verse 2 
is different, the, the Greek word that's translated from is different than the Greek word that's sober-minded is translated from in verse 6. So there's two different Greek words. So I want you to be aware of that. The word sober has a lot of uh, different definitions that it was around it. And I found it very intriguing because you can be sober-minded, more seriously minded. But one of the definitions, if I looked at Strong's Concordance, on the definition of the Greek word that's underneath it, it brings up temperate, abstaining from wine either entirely or at least from its immoderate uses, or even to flee from intoxicants. Well, that's kind of interesting. To flee from intoxicants. But then the word is also temperate. And so it might bear more study, but it gives us pause, this concept of sober, this concept of seriousness, not the hilarity that sometimes can come with someone that's drunk. I'll let you kind of ponder on that a while, and we'll come back to it, because it comes up again in a little bit later in this passage, and we'll talk about it more then. Sober. And it talks about that they be reverent in behavior. Excuse me, I skipped ahead to the women. That, well, it does say here that they be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience. There's a dignity. And it was interesting, I looked someplace and they thought the older men was about when they got to 40. Of course, it might be that time period, right, and life expectancy. But that as men mature, they should come to a point that they have a certain level of dignity. At some point, men, we need to grow up, right? We should have a certain um, soberness, a certain seriousness. We should have that just by the way we present ourselves. There's a certain level of dig dignity, that there be honorable. In some cultures, I don't know if it's true in ours anymore, but in some cultures there's this, this concept of, of respecting your elders. We used to be trained that, but we respect our elders, but the elders need to be honorable and worthy of that respect. Now clearly, being the town drunk does not fit this slot, right? Clearly that doesn't fit. Watching Andy Griffith three runs and seeing the guy that, uh, that was the drunk there, and was always in the jail. That's not the honorable part. Even though it's kind of funny that actor later did some things with Focus on the Family on some of their voice um, characters that they did. Uh, he was Wit on Wit's End. It was the same actor. Maybe he didn't know that. Um, but So he was playing a part. He was playing a part. But yeah, that's Wit's from Wit's End on Focus on the Family. But if that helps you think of it, that's not the sober-minded that we're, the soberness that we're thinking about, we're not talking about the reverent, the, um, the dignified portion of there. And they're also supposed to be temperate. Temperate. 
this is uh, this concept of moderated. They have to be balanced, sound in their faith, consistent in their faith, and in love and in patience. And that patience there is a steadfastness. Now, how do we paint this whole picture? I threw you a bunch of definitions. That self-control is that balanced. They're temperate. They're even. They're sound. So they've gotten to the place that their doctrine is sound. They're not a wishy-washy doctrine. They know what they believe in. They know what they are uh, the doctrine is, and they are presenting that in the way they live. And they're doing it with some soberness, with some purpose. And they're honorable. And so that's this picture of the older men. That the older men in the, in the church should be dignified, moderated, You know, we don't want to be just uh, that fly-off-the-handle kind of thing. We don't want to be everywhere. We don't want to scatter. We, have, we want to provide that, that, that point of solidness, that seriousness, that control, and that we've landed somewhere in our doctrine, and we're consistent with it. We're steadfast with it, when it says in patience, it's that steadfastness, a patient enduring. That's the older men. That's the older men. So can you get that picture? Can you picture someone in your mind that is that balanced? They're not, they're sober. They've got a level of seriousness. They're honorable. They have a consistent faith that they live, and it's a sound faith. And their love is there too. It's all consistent. Can you see that? That's what we want to strive towards. See, it's about the character. It's not, I wish he picked up his socks. I wish he did this. I wish he did that. It's the character. It's the character. Now, interesting enough, in this passage of Scripture, as we get into verse 3, it does come back to the, it comes to the older women. Likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good thing. It is very interesting this wine thing comes in again. And so it makes me think in the first part that it is talking about not drunk. And I guess at that time that there was a, a proclivity for some of the older women to be involved in the Roman and the Greek culture, cultures in alcohol, in the wine. But they're told to admonish the younger women to love their husbands, to love their children. Now I'm not going to, again, this is on the men, but boy, it's very interesting that they had to teach them to love their husbands and to love their children. 
some of you, the moms that I know, what, what do you mean? Not love your children. Today's society, I know that there's a, there's a lot of divorce and things like that, but to have to teach them to love their children, it kind of makes you wonder what in the world was going on. Uh, verse 5, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. There's too much to unpack in there in today's society, um, and we're focused on men today, but there is a lot in there. And that homemakers, that word there, if you're wondering, kind of talked about working in the home. I will just say that if you're, if you're a, a woman and your plan is to find a man for the purpose of having a baby, not to get married, but the purpose to have a baby, so you can say that you have a baby, and then tell everyone that you're a single mom, and then go back to your career, and nothing changes because you now have a child, that's not fulfilling the scripture. There could be a lot of discussion on what the scripture means, but it does not mean that your life's no different because you have children or have a child. You should have some focus about the child. So we'll move on. Verse 6. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. So it's interesting that the young men are to be sober-minded, but he does lay on this expectation that there should be a level of maturity as you move towards being an older man that you should be sober-minded. There's a point that as a man that it's time to get serious about being a man. Sometimes the question becomes, when do you become a man? If I'm speaking to uh, young men, maybe teenagers, um, in different cultures, there's certain rites of passages, there's certain situations, certain activities they have to go through to become men. But the admonition here is that the young men be sober-minded. They should stop being children and move to adulthood. They should grow up. The responsibilities and expectations for them is not the same expectations for an older man, but the older man should be that example and teach the younger men and lay that example out there. The older man is that honorable, solid in their faith, solid in their love, persistent rock, I guess I would say, that anchor. I would submit to you that men, if we can be consistent in our love, consistent in our faith, and be sober-minded and honorable, that it gives an anchor for our family to come back to an anchor that when they drift around in life and have their own issues or as they're they uh, using some sailing terminologies maybe put up the wrong sail or head the wrong direction they have something that they can go back and count on that were solid that were persistent 
that there were honorable. Now, it's not unusual for parents to embarrass their children, but we're not taught. But that might be in the dad jokes, that might be in the other kinds of things. But if fathers, we don't want to be an embarrassment to our children, we want to be that rock. And sometimes those that aren't fathers and they are older men, they want to be that rock. You want to be that established that those that don't have a good lifestyle at home or weren't, didn't have good examples, they look and say, there's an honorable man, consistent in his faith, consistent in his love, serious-minded, he's temperate. And boy, that's an example for them to follow. So, man, that's our charge to move towards. But, young men, you need to start getting serious, and you might have already, about your roles in life. You need to get serious and be sober-minded in who you build your relationships with. It has consequences. It's not all fun and games. Those relationships can tear you down and affect your family and you and your future family throughout life. You need to be sober-minded and consider these things as the games are over. Yes, we need to have fun and things like that, but you need to take responsibility for your activity, take responsibility for yourself, because if you can't be responsible for yourself, you probably aren't ready to take responsibility for a wife and for children. You need to be sober-minded. So that means that you don't do those activities that will cause you to have a child or cause you to have a wife and child too soon. Be serious. Be sober-minded. And in that soberness, I think that includes looking at these, this admonition to the older adults, an older adult men, that you look to those older adult men. If you don't have one in your life, you find one and say, okay, that's, that's what I'm working towards. And the older men need to have something for those younger men to see that they're working towards. But in both cases, there's a soberness. There's a reality. Men, we have a responsibility. We have lots of responsibilities. And we need to step into them. Verse 7, in all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. He's writing to Titus. He's telling him to be a pattern of good works. In doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. Integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. We're talking again about their seriousness here. There's this that we have to be as teachers and as ministers that our doctrine, our teaching needs to be uncorrupted, un, uh, not twisted to meet our own needs. How many times have you turned on the TV and you look at a preacher and they're telling you all kinds of things? 
it really, really bugs me that the only way that you can have prosperity, which I don't know where the Bible promises us to be rich. I don't see it in there. But the only way you can have prosperity is to send seed money to their address. Send the $1,000 to them. They would have more integrity if they said, send the money, this seed money, to that ministry over there. They'd have more integrity to say, listen, there's some people without food in Africa. The seed money for today, and I don't believe in the seed money thing, so don't get tripped up in this. The seed money for today, because they're on TV, all you need to do is send your seed money, you send it in, and God will make you prosperous. If they had you sending the seed money to somebody else, it would have a little bit more integrity. But if the only place you can send the seed money is into the person that's telling you send the seed money, while they sit up there with their big fancy gold rings and their big watches and their, big, their nice suits and everything, just really bugs me. It really bugs me. It doesn't seem to fulfill this concept. It feels like when you watch that the scriptures gets twisted to fulfill that need. They'll pull one verse out and say these kinds of things and everything is spiritualized and they just go so hard. They go so hard and they go after it. That's not what he's telling Titus here. He's to be an example and a pattern of good works, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility. He's serious about what the scripture says. He's consistent with the, the um, he's sincere about it. He's, it's important to him, and he doesn't twist it. And it's sound. It's healthy. It's fit together. It's established, is what it says in verse 8. Sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is of, is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. So that when they come after you for what you're preaching, you're like, it's right here in the Bible. It's consistent. It's true. It's what I've been saying. It's no different. And so it tends to shut them up so they don't even start talking. So what are we saying? Men, be sober. Men, be balanced. Men, be dignified. Have some self-control. Be purposeful in what you're doing. We don't want to fly off of the handle and be this, we nev they never know what they're going to get. I think it's important as husbands that your wife be able to know, I know what he's going to say. Because you've been consistent. The children, I know what he's going to say. Because you've been consistent. A household in which the, the father or the husband is inconsistent, no one will know how to stay 
connected. No one will know how to stay in a good place. They might try really, really hard to, to make him happy. Try really, really hard to get along with. But they don't know which person they're trying to get along with because it gets moving around. And if he's sober and focused and consistent, he's diligent in trying to look out for his wife. He's diligent in trying to look out for his children. He's intentional. Things, there's a time to be serious. Now we can be probably too serious, but I think in today's culture we tend to, to be too much on the how much can I get and how much fun can I have. You've got to do your work first. You've got to take care of those around you first. You've got to be who you need to be first. And then you can do those other kinds of things. And one of those things is in the scripture that I want to spend a little bit more time on. There's a lots of debates around and uh, around this topic, and you know, in our denomination, if you want to be a member, you have to abstain from alcohol. And a lot of even in some of the holiness churches, that's getting somewhat attacked. And scripture tells us not to be drunk with wine wherein is excess. But this is one of those areas where I think men need to be, we need to be really careful. And it can be other kinds of things, but when we look at this concept there's those around drinking alcohol for Christians. The those that say that we're able to do it, and the Bible says, doesn't say that you can't drink, but it certainly says you're not to be drunk. And you've heard the old saying. I, my grandfather gave, had this saying too. But, you know, if you don't take the first drink, you don't have to worry about the second. But what is it about alcohol? That so many people want it. They want to make sure that they can be in church and still get their alcohol. What is it about the alcohol? Because alcohol is one of those things that you can take the same amount of alcohol, drink the same amount of alcohol, and depending on how much food is in your stomach, it makes you drunk one time and not drunk the other. You know, they, they like to have pretzels and stuff on the bar so you can eat those and have food in you because you know if you drink straight alcohol and there's no food in you, it's going to really hit you, right? But they want to play with that. Well, I need to, you want to have, they want to have their alcohol. It's so, so much that they want to have their alcohol and some of them want to have it in the churches. Why do you want to see how close you can get to doing what the Bible tells you not to do? It says don't be drunk, but the Christians want to say, well, how many can I have before I'm drunk? Well, do you know it depends on how much food you've had. Well, how do you know where your line's at? You have to get drunk first. So in order for me to, to know where my line is so I don't get drunk, then I'm going to go cross that line and tip my 
foot over in what is sinful so that I can know how far the line is to be sinful. Does that make any sense at all? I want to see how close I can get to sin. Let's just see how close I can get to sinning and it'll be okay. Let alone the fact is, yeah, let's bring it in the church. Where there's alcoholics and people that have come and are, have been redeemed and stuff, and let's just put it right in front of their face. Where the Bible tells us not to be a stumbling block. I don't understand what the drive is that alcohol is so important. And being able to drink your alcohol is so important that you, you, you can't put it aside. That almost sounds addictive, doesn't it? That you have to have it. And some will say, well, if you go to Timothy, it says, Be, uh, take a little wine for your stomach's sake. He says, take a little wine. And a lot of people look at that from medicinal. But some people say, well, I just get a drink after work. Or like I preached a few weeks ago, just get a drink on the way to work. It kind of cuts the edge. Well, that sounds like you're addictive to that. And if you're doing it so that you, um, for medical sake, it's almost like those that try to take antibiotics all the time. After a while, they're less effective. So what do you have to do? You have to start upping the doses. And it leads to addictive behaviors. Now, somebody might have drank a beer or drank some alcohol or something. I can't, I'm not here to tell you that every time that happens, that's sin. But it does seem in, in Scripture in multiple places that we should avoid the alcohol. But it clearly tells us not to be drunk. I just don't understand why we just keep wanting to, people want to just play with that and get how close they can get to it. Because alcohol, in our culture, caused lots of problems, lots of death, lots of broken homes, lots of money gets spent on the alcohol. It becomes addictive. A lot of people's got hurt. Some people are mean drunks. They're abusive. They pick it up. But no, let's play with it in the church. Let's just bring it in and have it around and, and let's, let's do like the world do and normalize all the, all the things that are close to sin and tell them they're all okay. Some people just, well, yeah, I'm going to go over and witness to this alcoholic and have a beer with them. That's what would be their attitude. That makes no sense at all. Let's just embrace them where they're at. It says be in the world but not of the world. It's very hard, if you want to say that that scripture says that it means to be sober-minded, it's very hard to be sober-minded if you're drunk. And sometimes in the tests and trials of life, instead of crawling to the bottle, maybe we should be at our knees. Maybe we should be in prayer. But I find great pause in Christian circles and in the holiness movement that they want the freedom back to drink alcohol. In a culture that wants to smoke pot, get away from everything, people are in search of answers. People are in search 
to solutions to the problem. Billy Graham said people are born with a God-shaped hole in their heart. And they're trying to fill that God-shaped hole. Like the game that children play, they have the square pegs and they have the star pegs and they have all the pegs and they're trying to fit that into the square peg in a round hole and it doesn't go. Men, we need to be serious. We need to be temperate. We need to hold fast to love, sound doctrine, be balanced. Not be wishy-washy in our faith. Not be wishy-washy in our doctrine. Not tossed to and fro. We need to be the anchor that our Society can depend on, the anchor our wives can depend on, the anchor our children can depend on, the anchor our grandchildren can depend on. I'm not saying replace God as he is the anchor, but I'm saying the steadfastness, the solidness, the consistency, the even-mindedness, the soberness, that we need to be dignified, honorable, we need to do men proud. We need, to be respect, we need to be the people that are worthy of respect, worthy of honor. We basically need to grow up. We need to grow up in our faith. We need to seek out the scriptures. We need to be all that we can be in God. Like being Christian Marines, I guess. Onward Christian soldiers. Marching as to were war. Let's be standing together. Father God, I pray as we contemplate these things as, as men and we consider who we should be, help us to mature, help us to grow up, help us to be serious, about life, serious about our walk with God, to take on the responsibilities that we have, to be sound in our doctrine, to be sound in our faith, to be sound in our love, and consistent in them. Lord, help us not to pick up alcohol as our God. Help us not to do pick up other things that might uh, distract us from our responsibilities. Help us not to try to get as close to sin as we can. Help us not to run from you. Help us to be honorable men. Respectable men. Consistent men. Balanced in our approach to things. We don't have to be middle of the road, but we don't have to fly off. Be one way and then the other. Help us to, Lord, be an example to those that are younger and those that are younger. Help them to aspire to be serious about their walk with you. To see and locate the positive examples 
the scriptural examples of what it means to be a man and to seriously take on that responsibility and to grow up. Help us to grow up in our life. Help us grow up spiritually and in our knowledge of you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.